0: How we doing? This is Rob Foster with RBF Fitness and Nutrition. People upgrade their iPhones, they upgrade their Androids, they upgrade their laptops, but yeah. they're operating with the same brain that they operated with for the last decade. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. You know why you do what you do. So racism, it's out there, but it doesn't have to stop you. Just because somebody might look at you a certain way, that doesn't have to stop your forward progress. Where you have to eliminate the excuses. You gotta make that game plan say, for me to get to that point right happy friday ladies and gentlemen welcome to shut up and grind with your host Yours truly, Robert B. Foster. This is episode number 63, as we are in the middle of March. Spring is right around the corner. For those of you in the warm weather states, I don't want to hear it here. We can't wait for it. Tired of the cold, tired of the snow and the cold rain. Ready for some warmth. All right, so let's talk about the grind gear first before we get into this, because, you know, if you want to support support the show, you know, we have we have shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, masks. We have all that good stuff. If you have a story to tell and you're not sure how to tell it, I have a free Facebook group, Speak About Yourself Out Loud, and we'll show you how to take what you what you have inside and turn it into powerful messages that can change people's lives. Sounds awesome, right? So today, you guys know the show is all about overcoming obstacles. So when I search the globe, we're looking for the most fascinating people to share what they've gone through. And what we want you to get out of this is just really two words. It's possible. That's it. As long as you believe things are possible, you can get through whatever life throws at you. Cause you know life's gonna come at you. You know, m- most people don't just coast through through life. They they don't. You're gonna you're gonna come up against something at some point. And so the premise of this show is to is to let you know that it's possible. We we've had immigrants who have come here, dirt dirt poor, come on the show. Share their story of how how they made it. We have people survive major injuries, major accidents, diseases, illnesses, and just so many just different things that would have taken down the average person. But when you have extraordinary confidence and extraordinary belief and extraordinary faith, extraordinary things happen. And that's what happened with my guest today, and i'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into what she beat because she'll talk about that, but she had an illness come for her. And she beat it down a couple times. And we're going to get into how, how she did that. I met her through a networking event. So if you get invited to networking events, attend. Because you never know who you're going to meet. And so had I not attended that event, we wouldn't be talking with her right now. So expand your circle with amazing people. And you're just going to get amazing results. So coming to the show, welcome Elaine Gibson. Hi. Welcome, Elaine.
1: I oh my God, Robert, I'm so excited to be here with you. It was awesome. so wonderful meeting you that night. It was like we could it was like we were kin from another world or whatever. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> oh yeah, we get it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's so true. Like you never know who you're yep. gonna come across. <laughs> you know, you really don't. You sit there, everybody just kinda staring at each Zoom. And I told you what I did, I wrote everyone's name down <laughs> and and I searched for all of you. you <laughs> I like, I wanna know
1: I'm just so excited to be here with you and talk to your community and and just I love what you're doing because you know it's it's March, it's mad yeah. I mean we're right in the middle of March madness
0: right now actually. Yes. Yeah, True. I, That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I ask every guest this: just give me the quick summary. Who is Elaine Gibson? Elaine Gibson. And this is going to be the quickest one you've ever had. Elaine
1: <laughs> Gibson is the ultimate green juice loving grandmother.
0: Ultimate green juice loving grandmother. A green juice loving grandmother. Right. Wow, interesting. so we're gonna we're we're gonna get into that and into the I green juices right? <laughs> and, and the healing powers and all that good stuff. so but first let's 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 take it back. so wh- where where were you from?
1: Born in Chicago, and uh, before I started the year, I started kindergarten. And I moved to New York City.
0: Oh, nice. what part and I am
1: the ultimate New York City Jewish grandmother.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what part of New York City?
1: I grew up in Queens and Forest Hills, okay. And um, it was a long time ago. I mean, as you and I speak now, I'm 75, so <laughs> it was. Yeah, I loved it. I I just loved it, and I watched so much of it go up around me because Forest Hills. I mean, New York has changed so much, but yeah, I watched. Um, I watched Shea Stadium go up. Oh, My yeah. dad and I used to 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 sit on the terrace, and we would see it. It was just amazing. Yeah, loved it. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I actually did a Spartan race in 2019. In, uh, I mean, I don't think it's Shea anymore. It was it no? Not MetLife. That's where the Giants play. No, Citi Field. Citi yeah. Field. Yeah. Oh, okay. Citi Field, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah just love it. Yeah. yeah, beautiful, beautiful stadium. Gotta say. All right. So. All right. Mm-hmm. So New York City, and then, what were your initial goals and dreams as a child or a teen? Well.
1: You know, it's such an interesting question for a woman my age because goals and dreams were very, very different then
0: yeah, for see. girls,
1: right? Um, so um, I have a love of all things music, all things Broadway. Um, I actually have a graduate degree in dance, um, and I um, – so I went to, uh, and let me just preface and say that I am, I'm, I, know, I know there are lots of people that have wonderful childhoods. I'm the daughter. I'm the child. My parents were told they could never have. Yeah. When my brother, after my brother was born, um, and he's now deceased many, many years, after he was born, my mother had rheumatic fever. And in those days, they said, that's it, no more children. And um, I mean, how sad is that? Yeah. And uh, my dad, uh, I grew up in a retail family. My my dad was in retail. He wanted to he, talk about hopes and dreams. He aspired to be a doctor. Okay. Hello, depression. <laughs> he found out that his father was digging ditches to send him to college. Wow. He went where he worked, and I picked him out of the ditch, and he said, you come home. No dad of mine is digging a ditch for me. Okay. So he started as a stockroom guy, and he ended up being president of a shoe company. So, but what I'm getting at is that I had so much love. So imagine, right? I'm the child. So my my dad gets um, transferred to Chicago. My mother goes for her her OB for uh, gyn exam, and the doctor says, "Why don't you have any more children?" And she said, "Well, I was told that I couldn't. I had rheumatic fever years ago." He said, "That's ridiculous. Go home and make a little girl." Wow. Eleven months later, I was born on Mother's Day.
0: <laughs> wow, but, talk about divine intervention. I,
1: oh oh well yeah <laughs> no, yeah now I know about that that I didn't know anything. So I preface that before I sit go onto my own aspirations and saying that I was so loved and so um, fortunate and blessed to grow up in that kind of a of an environment. Oh, of course. However I was raised to go get my teacher's license, which is fine. But, you know, I love being a teacher. And so I I always felt, it was like Dorothy, you know, I always felt that I yearned for more. Yes, I did. And um, I did dance lessons. I mean, best times of my child's were when my, my mother driving me four days a week. In fact, my dance recitals were in Carnegie Hall. So I could say I danced at Carnegie Hall, you know. <laughs> I love it. Pictures of me and my tutus dancing, it's kind of it oh, all. When I was nine, you know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> now my granddaughters
1: love that. So my parents um, uh, were able to were in a position to send me to sleepaway camp. Okay. Um, there's a whole cluster of sleepaway camps, and um, I was fortunate enough to go there. And I grew up there. I met my first husband, my children's father there. My children went, my grandchildren growing out, grew up. So. That was the first time that I was away from a story written for girls. Yeah. That I was on a path. So now I'm away. This is eight weeks old. At this is eight weeks that we get. So at eight years old, I went away for eight weeks. Now people that are not used to that think, "Oh my God, how can you send this child away for? Eight? Oh my yeah. God. Okay, so." What am I getting at? This is the place I started to find the fire inside me. I, I can look at it now. I didn't understand it then. But I what I did understand was that, wow, there was a lot more to me. And, oh, there was nobody to catch me. And I wrote the, the first summer I was there, I wrote, I hate camp, come and get me. I hate camp, come and get me. So my parents came to come and get me. I said, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I just wanted to know they still love me. <laughs> they knew I was they knew I was safe and they knew I had to work it out for myself. Okay, so that was the start of my finding my own my way and really falling in love with my girlfriends. This is not a co-ed camp, it was brother and sister camp. So this is we talk about tribes now, we talk about communities and this totally shape, I don't shape really began to shape my life. and I started to know that, yeah, there is more. And even for a while, it was only eight weeks in the year. It was so powerful. And let me tell you, I have friends that are, we are still like sisters from, we met in 1953 and there's lots of generations. So my bunk mates, brothers, are my grandson's counselors. I mean, this is all like incestuous, beautifully incestuous, but (laughs) I knew that there was something more. I wanted to go to performing arts and my cousin had, my cousin had a cousin who's uh, two years older than me and he was on Broadway and, and stuff. And, and I, my mom, and she probably knew what was best for me. Yeah. But so I didn't. So I always it was always this yearning. Something inside me wasn't lit yet.
0: Yeah. Let me let me let me set up for a quick Unpack second. as you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, because because that's that's a huge point. And this is why I start with people's backstories, because it usually comes to, to the guest saying, there has to be more, or I know there's more, or I want more, or what you just said, it just wasn't lit inside. And I really think that everyone at some point feels that. And it's usually people who are super well off too, that you know, just because maybe they didn't have some some of the struggles of people who aren't as well off. But still, there's something inside us, and what I'm finding, because like I'm no I'm no psychiatrist or anything, like I'm a I'm a college dropout, <laughs> but but just in dealing with thousands of people over the years, it stems from something that they wanted at a young age, oh, you know? Yeah. Because yeah, because most people now they're like, you know, I don't I don't know what what I want to do. I'm like the answer is in your subconscious mind. I <laughs> you just have to go back and figure it out. So as I started doing these podcasts. And usually it's something from someone's childhood that they end up doing now. Like with me, I wanted to be on TV. I wanted to be speaking at events and, you know, motivating people and inspiring people and, you know, helping people become leaders. And then I started managing restaurants for two decades. You know, so it's like I got to do some of it, you know, as a restaurant manager. You know leading and you know right. empowering and teaching stuff but it wasn't what, what I wanted. Right. And then so it and it just happened last year when the gym got my gym got shut down and I was like, you know what? I was like this is time for me to do what I want to do. Right. And I started with just Wednesday. I had the podcast just on Wednesday and then I added uh, Sunday and then I added Tuesday and then I added Friday. Thank goodness you did. <laughs> so, Thank goodness you did and, and, and it's booked like I'm booking into June <laughs> like it's booked That's with sixteen fun. slots a month and I think I'm just gonna go Monday through Friday and just make it a five day a week thing but like I like I, it I, I'm meeting new people. I'm in a happy place and it's just amazing like when you step into what you want to do
1: when you yes and so take let's go back even before when I the statement I just made remember. My parents did not save me. They did not rescue me. They knew I was safe to start to figure out the answers for myself. Yes. Okay. That That is a foundation of the rest of the, everything in my, in my story. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. So I just always felt that there was. But when I was there, I mean, I got such confidence. And I didn't have a lot of confidence. I mean, I'll... I'm just going to, we're here and you're, and I'm just going to be honest. Okay.
0: Yeah, oh yeah.
1: I, they used to call me skinny Marine. Okay. <laughs> my, I was, so, this is, all right. I started, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to go there because, you know, if, why, if you're not going to tell the truth, why, you know, Exactly. so I, I've never actually shared this with anybody. <laughs> I think my husband now, my, my, um, Devin and I have been married, uh, we'll be married 29 years in a few weeks. Nice. So, Congrats. I, so, called Skinny Marine, right? And um, I wore long-sleeve Oxford shirts in 95-degree weather because I thought my arms were so skinny. Mm. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> Confidence comes in funny ways. You know, you have to figure it out. So, in fact, today, I very rarely wear anything that's not long-sleeve. But... um. <laughs> And I started to gain confidence that carried over. I mean, I'm an athlete. I'm a dancer. I was, you know, I was going to, you know, I was dancing all my life. And I learned how to play mean third base, Played basketball, volleyball. You know, these were, it wasn't, um, these were real sports. I was, I was really learning. I didn't learn how, although I became a ten, tennis tournament player, I didn't really learn how to play tennis. Yeah. Because yeah. nobody was playing then, nobody was playing soccer. But boy, I could hit a I could hit a softball and I could I was a I would say an A minus athlete. And I loved it and but it was amazing. And they put shows on and I got confidence in that. And little by little, you know, the things and and I know you speak to thousands and thousands of people, and it all stacks. In everything, it's all a foundation, and it all it all has to be small steps and small increments. So I just resolved myself to be a teacher, which was fine. I didn't really fight it. I was always always had this other thing where I could could find that light and, and use it. And um, in my uh, in my senior year of college, I got married, and um, my kids went back to in fact when my kids were old enough to go to camp, I went back. Nice. This is like so cool. The place I love the most in my life. Yeah. In fact, I think when I I think when I die, I'm gonna be cremated and have my ashes.
0: <laughs> I love it.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's so important. I mean, I have generations. My children have generations of friends. It's just you when children grow up and live with each other for eight weeks. It's just something you can't, you can't duplicate it. And I was just fortunate and blessed enough to be part of it. So I guess, you know, we're given everything that we need to do what we're supposed to do. But it all stacks, it all has to be small things. So um, when I went off to school, I uh, became a phys ed teacher you know, it was great, but you know, there was just always, always, always something there. And one thing led to another, and, you know, here I am. But, you know, the interesting thing is that um, when I did get, so I graduated college, and, and then I was married for 17 years, and years, I went back to school. I was in the first graduation ceremony of the Smith Building, the Smith Athletic Center, at GW University. And my children were there for my graduate degree and it was like so cool. I would, that's in dance, right? In education and a specialty in dance. So that does not get me a cup of Starbucks right now.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but So I found opportunities. I joined community theater. I became a choreographer. I would go into the schools and choreograph in ways that, so now I'm in Virginia and choreograph in ways that they hadn't seen before. Cause I was like, you know, people, kids dancing down the aisle and, and now everything that I do, all my events that I have been putting on for years, my own workshops and, and retreats and stuff. You, you're going to appreciate this. Once I got brave enough to be me,
0: I made more money. It's so true. Okay. Yeah, I just, I just cool. want, I just want to expand on that re- real quick. That's, that's amazing. Number one, but someone, someone inboxed me right, right before, right before we, we jumped online and I'm part of, of a di- different group. And someone asked a question, like, what's something that you could speak on with little to no preparation. Right, right. And so my, my response was how to tell your life story. And so he inboxes me, you know, how does one tell their life story? And I said, it's it's about having the confidence to face judgment, you know, for being who you are. And that's, that's huge. That, that's huge. So, like, once, once you're authentically you, you don't care what other people have to say about you. Because I know there's people out there that hate my style. And cool, you, you're entitled to, to that opinion. But I'm going to lean into the ones who like my style and who feed off of my style. So you're 100% right. Once you're authentically you, the world just opens doors for you left and right. Yes.
1: Yes. And it's not easy. I mean, you know, we all come up and, I mean, my parents grew up, you know, depression. I'm the last generation that has been touched by the depression. Yeah. Okay. People have no concept of what that was like. I, it's funny. It's funny where you talk and think, I (laughs) still... I still my now my husband was raised by parents and in my husband was born in England during during World War II because that's where his dad was stationed met his mom in England and they and they came to the states but so she was really raised in you know during war and, and rationing and all that we both came to this marriage still tearing in half paper towels not weird mm-hmm. it's like Like really, really do that, but it that's so this so there's this release now. You could understand why there's there there was so much holding things back because there was so much loss that people had experienced. But um, when I started to do my own events and and we'll get to why they how they arrived, but I wanted to make this I was doing things and they were fine and you know but then when I when I said you know what this isn't me if they're my events I'm going to do them my way I don't care what anybody says so I started doing seasonal events not quarterly because that's my like seasonal events yeah. for women with my community right I now have a Facebook group almost a thousand I feel like I'm creating this movement the extraordinary sister but here's the thing I'm like this is mine. So I created my workshops in my retreats. Everything had a music theme. One was Dancing Queens. One was The Greatest Love of All. One oh, was from Rainbow. The first one was Defying Gravity, which is like now my theme song. I'm just through with playing by someone else's rules. You know? yes. So, <clears throat> excuse me, once I became comfortable, once I found that in me, I became more confident that I could do it my way. And then it was like, well, it's no big deal. I am who I am. And listen, there are people that don't like my style. And it's like, you know, that's fine. We're That's why everybody has is who they are. That's why it's so important that we are who we are. So that yes. people, because we attract ourselves. All my clients are, you know, it's all like that. Yep. But that's why I love what you're doing because when you can get people to really tap into it, listen, I'm all about helping women over 45 find that magic inside them. And we, <laughs> we have a magic wands and magic, you know, and wonder and, and all that. But that's why your work is so important because when you can get people to be confident in telling that story, and this is kind of why I work with women over 45, very often over 50 because it is in there and it's frustrating. And we know when and when women talk to each other, we know that there's so much wisdom to share. And it's like nobody wants to hear it. It's, it I'll, I guess we're, we really are honest. this. popped in and I'm just going to share it. <laughs> so I love to have a therapist and that I go to periodically whenever I feel like I so um, I, I'm a grandma. I'm 75 years old. I've got 11 grandchildren, and you know I'm close with my children and all this and that. But people grow up, and there's all these things. And I, I said to her, you know, there are a lot of things that are going on that I have a lot of the answers for, and it's hard, you know, rather the expression, you're, you're a prophet every, everywhere but your own home, whether it's your family, your friends, or whatever. Yeah. And she said. Can you make the switch? Do you think that you can make the switch from feeling responsible to being a sage with wisdom at your age? And wow. And you know what? That's what started me going natural. This is my natural color. Two years ago, I was a Barbie doll, right? Blonde. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But that, so that became part of who I wanted to be. I had to find a way to share what I had learned in a way that was non-threatening, that was not, you know, over the edge. Well, some some people think I'm a little over the edge, but that was not, um, you must do this, 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 and this. It was, and I, so I just really, when she said that, I relaxed. I gave up responsibility. And I kind of turned to really... Um, i mean my objective now is to be an inspiration for for women i mean all you know all men and women but in my my intimate work that i do um to inspire people to find that magic in them and find optimal health so that we can change the world together
0: see and i, I was yeah. waiting i was waiting for those words change yes. those because I wrote down when you said, you know, some people think you're, you're over the edge. And so, like, I wrote it down. I started. Because the people who are over the edge are the ones who change the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that, so, no. I, yep.
1: so nope. my experience, this is interesting. My experience has shown me that people settle. Yep. We are used to settling. We are used to having aches and pains. We're used to carrying extra weight. We're used to being exhausted. We're used to being overwhelmed. We're used to taking care of everybody else. We're used to, you know, chronic things and, and, and that we accept. And what I've learned is that when we settle, we are selling out. We are selling out and more and more, and you probably seeing this, is that more and more I'm finding that people feel that self-care is selfish and that's
0: what's is that mind-boggling? Yes, it's absolutely mind-boggling. Because how can you take care of anyone if you're not well? You know, wow. and, and when people use their kids, use their kids as an excuse, it, it's like I, I just can't deal with it. It's like you're the example for your kids. Exactly. So if you're putting yourself on the back burner, don't you think they're watching? <laughs> you know, they're watching everything that you do, My. and they're gonna grow up raising their kids the same way you're raising them. My. It's a generational trap. It's exactly is.
1: what it is. It is. And I I I'm very aware of that now that I mean my parents have been gone twenty-three and twenty-five years. Both of my parents died in my arms. Oh wow. I held both my parents, right? Um, and my dad, and they both went like at their 85th birthday. Wow. You know, it's just the way the universe is, right? Yeah. So my dad, this what exactly what you said is what came to mind. So my dad was just a few days past his 85th birthday and um he just, you know, whatever, he had hard things and he wasn't going in the hospital and he, he didn't want to do that. So he was home and and I came down to visit and my son Seth, who's now he's gonna be fifty one in a few weeks, was on his way to was getting on the airplane to come see him.
0: Yeah.
1: So I got down then I saw uh, what was really going on and he was um, he was starting, now he was going into a coma. And, and then I just was with him all day long and hugging and kissing him and telling him stories. And I, about three o'clock in the afternoon, um, I said to him, You know, I'm doing all the kissing here, Dad. <laughs> I need a kiss. You have to understand that he's in a coma. Yeah. I, I, Dad, I need a kiss. I'm doing all the kissing. He goes, Wow. So, so getting back to exactly what you just said. So, a few hours later, he dies, and I, and I'm, you know, I got my mother there, and and I said, took a deep breath, and I said, "What would Doctor Laura do?" That time, I was really into Doctor Laura, and um, so I we called Seth, we got him at the airport. So now, before I fall apart, which I'm entitled to do, what? do my children need to see what do my children need to learn now? Whatever I do is how they are going to work, going to react when they have to deal with my going. Yeah. So what can I give them now? I don't know where that came from. I'm just telling you that I came. So it's like, okay, this is what they need to see. That didn't mean that there wasn't sorrow because, but they were, they had to understand. And I had to understand this is, big difference between sadness and guilt yes and I had to you know like so we we did what we did but it was exact that moment I I was processing exactly what you just said
0: yes exactly like, right. I lost my dad in November of 2019 Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we had to end care for him. So so again, like, you know, we all he had three generations of people around his hospital bed when he took his last breath. So he he went right before all of this COVID stuff started. So we you know we were all able to to be there for him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just like my mom, the very last thing my mom played their song and she was singing to him, you know. So we're all, you know, <laughs> crying crying a river here and but just having that moment. And she's like, you know, I'll I'll be okay, you know, we got this. She's like, you go rest now, you know, it's time it and it was tough. Like my two oldest kids were there, but like once he took took his last breath, you know, like I put my arms around both of them and I said, just so you know, this is what it's gonna be like when it's my turn. And of course they're both like, (laughs) but just like you said, you know, like you don't get prepared for that. Like I never knew. What I was gonna to have to go through to lose my parent, you know, I mean, my mom is still still here, but you know, you hear other people's stories, but you just don't get it until it's your turn. You don't. So, you know, fortunately, we were able to to be there for for the whole process. You know, because there's people who just go, you know, and there's no warning, uh, yeah, no, yeah, no warning, no nothing. So I'm glad that they got to they got to witness it because you know, death's a part of life. So it, is. it you know, is what you said spot on.
1: Yeah. And my um, I told you I had an older brother and he's been gone many years. He had cancer and he died. He was 36. And my mom and dad and I were there when he passed because that's what we do. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's what we do. But um, that and people are watching you all the time. They're watching you all the time. My mom, I went down to see her. I knew she was, it was just like 18 months after my dad. And I said, oh, girlfriend, you're coming home with me. So I called an air ambulance, when we were home, she was in Florida. called my husband, I said, I've got a caregiver coming in, I've got a hospital bed coming in, mm-hmm. I'll be home tomorrow. And my son Seth, who, the um, one who is 51, he covers um, NCAA basketball. So okay. this is March, right? And he was, um, so he was uh, on his way to cover the tournament and he stopped for mom's birthday and then he stayed. And then that night uh, the night of her 81st birthday is when he came and he goes, mom, come on. It's, it's grandma's time. So we were with her and her last breath was kissing him and that's how it should be. Right. It, yeah. it needs to be that, but not everybody can do that. But yeah. there are these things that we have to be aware of. And I understood then the difference of, Doing your best, things are still gonna happen, doing it with whatever honor means to you, whatever karma means to you. I mean, <laughs> karma is a, you know, you know what they say. Yeah. And um, it's like, no, I better, I don't know, karma, I don't, karma, you go away. I'm gonna be okay, I'm gonna do this right, you know?
0: <laughs>
1: and and um, you know, they just learn and and everybody learns like that. And it has to be, but why? Then I started to understand the difference between sadness and guilt. And yes, the hole is this big when it happens, but it's not filled with uckiness. It's just yes. it's filled with tears. It's not filled with rage. Yeah. And, and then you can then you can let go and surround yourself. Let me tell you, I almost everything around me is from my parents. Yeah. And, I mean, I wear their my mother's jewelry. I mean, everything. Yes. Artwork. This black thing that you see behind me, that table there? Yeah. That was my mother's dressing table. No. And my diplomas up back there? I have my diplomas up not to show that I graduated college, but because my dad had them etched. Oh, nice. I told you I was a princess. <laughs> was so proud of me. He had them etched. So that's, that's kind of what I'm
0: saying to you is that. See, see, and that's how you honor them. See, yeah. that's how you oh. honor them. Like, I had a conversation just this morning with one of my, my personal training clients, where I said that, you know, I was glad that my dad died when he died. And she seemed kind of, like, really? I said, well, yeah. I said, had if he was still here now, he'd be an absolute shell of himself, yeah. you know? So I was like, that would be absolutely selfish of me, to want him here to safeguard my feelings, knowing he would be going through absolute hell. You know, he had stage four um, heart failure, so it's like for- fortunately he didn't suffer. And it was easy for me to say because I wasn't the one suffering. But but he didn't suffer for too long. Like he started getting sick in March of 2019, and he passed in November. So it's not like he went years of deterioration, but just even in that time, there was enough decline to where it's like my heart broke for him. Cause like he was always, he was 79 when he passed, but he was very active. He was still working on cars, building things. He's outside, you know, digging holes and mowing the lawn. Like he was super, super active. So to see him not be able to do those things, having him call me to drive down there cause they lived at the Southern end of Rhode Island. So I could get there in like 35 minutes. So, you know, just help him carry, carry heavy things now. And I could see in his face, like he's, he doesn't want to be here so it was almost like when he passed it's like just thank god he he doesn't have to deteriorate anymore and then right. what makes it easier for me to process because like it's not about what I feel obviously I would love to have my dad here but seeing him like that was awful right was absolutely awful right. And, and, go ahead
1: you know I was just saying how amazing that you could all be there because that's what the family learns, and I totally expect my children to be doing the same with me. My son says, "Mom, you've always got the spot in a rocking chair in front of the window."
0: <laughs> <laughs> when I told <laughs> when I told my daughter, so above above my dad, he was in he, he was in a medically induced coma, and like they they had his chest open, and so above him there was a sign that said "chest chest open." With an arrow. And I told my daughter, I said, if I'm ever in a coma, I said, and you better do this. I said, I want a, a, a sign above me that says, this sucks with an arrow. <laughs> 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 I, I said, so that's one of my wishes. So you have to carry it out. <laughs> it was like, I've been yeah. a ball buster my whole life. I said, so I am leaving this earth busting balls. <laughs> oh, so. I'm start yeah.
1: dancing, you know.
0: Exactly. <laughs> all you, right, you know, all right. So, so let's let's talk talk about just because uh, you know we it looks like we can talk all day, but we only got twenty minutes. <laughs> so uh-huh. so let's, let's get into when you started having health health issues. Right get through that process. Right.
1: So, um, in two, I was a tournament tennis player, and in two thousand and one. Um, it was tennis season, and I went um, and I went to the chiropractor because, you know, you're a trainer. God forbid I should train. You know, I kind of played myself into back problems, yeah. and because uh, we were like really serious, and he said, "What's this? How long have you had this on your neck?" I said, "David, I don't know. You're the only one that does that to my neck." So <laughs> one thing led to another, and, and a couple of months later, they. Found out that I had a very, very, very early non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Okay. Six. I knew that I, at that time I was doing green technology, so I was a little ahead of the curve of things that were out there, and I had um, never knew I had a wrong business, and it was yeah. So um, I went to Mexico. I just knew I didn't want traditional um, treatments because I now. I'm not telling anybody what to do. This is Elaine's world. This is yes. my journey, not anybody else's, right? Yes. So I knew that I didn't want to put chemicals and toxins in my body. Cause I felt that chemicals and toxins and things in my body was why I was where I was. So I went on another journey and in six months I was clean. Wow. Eight. I went back, um, to, uh, the years and getting my tests and stuff five years that my oncology she says you're done you're done this isn't coming back 16 months later she told me she thought i was going to die
0: oh my god yeah
1: it's like really you said i was done nevin and i went to the galapagos islands in december 2008 December 2007, we came home and I had all these things. I mean, if you haven't gone to the Galapagos Islands, put it on your wish list, everybody. (laughs) It's crazy. So um, I just had all these things and I knew my body wasn't, it didn't feel right. I had this just all around here. And I assumed, listen, I just came back from the Galapagos Islands. I figured I had a parasite, right? What else would it be?
0: Mm.
1: Okay, now go back to the summer that my parents left me at camp. Because they knew I had to figure life out myself. Yes. Okay. Even though it was that part of life, I pushed everybody. I, this is, this is, I pushed everybody. And finally it came from one thing to another, to another. It was not a parasite. It was stage four, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. I was covered from lymphatic. I was covered from here to here. Yeah, And it was like a Christmas tree. If you've ever seen a PET scan, it, you know, the disease lights up. But it was wow. Right.
0: It was
1: really. So um, we found out uh, a few days before Valentine's Day. Nevin and I were going on a vacation. And I, it took me about six hours to get the airlines to believe that I wasn't lying to get out of my tickets. Right. I'm an athlete. Right. What do athletes do? You go into training. Right. Yeah. Training mode. Right. So I had, um, when I found this out, I had, come, now I put all these pieces together, right? Came home and, you know, you talk about stories. And um, I, sometimes in the quiet of my own being, I can still taste the salt from my tears. Mm. And it's interesting. I've always craved salt. <laughs> and I, that's what I remember. So I came home. Nobody was home, never was at home. And I sat, I fell to my knees on a beautiful needlepoint area rug. It was like Monet's garden, because you can probably see around me. My house is like a garden, right? (laughs) So I fell to my knees and I said, okay, God, I know I'm not gonna die. Now my mother had died a few years before. I know I'm not gonna die. This is not what you have in store for my children. I'm tasting the salt, right? which I'm comfortable with salt. I mean it's more <laughs> right. so that that's actually just tell me what you want me to learn. Don't ask me where that came from. Yeah. Now I know where it came from. I did not know then. I was the only person walking the face of the earth that didn't know I was dying. right? So I got my answers. And here's another thing that I learned for everybody out there, whether it's today, or 50 years from now when i'm long gone ask good questions ask good questions yeah what do you want me to learn and i could answer that question rather than why me
0: well well the biggest thing there was that i know i'm not going to die i know I, it's that's, like that's, that's I huge i'm not that and no you this is not I
1: couldn't, I, and I never connected, I never connected the, um, the disease as part of me. You know, I, it's like, I went into training what do I need to do? So I went back to Mexico, which is where I went the first time. I knew I had to start there. And, but I was, oh my God, I was really like in bad shape. And I came home and, um, I did something called low dose chemotherapy and they, now they do it in the States. They didn't do it then, And, um, they can, they can, um, they can pinpoint the, um, the chemo agents. They give you very small doses. They can pinpoint where it goes because of the process, the procedure. And, um, I came home. I just couldn't stay in Mexico like forever. So I came home and I found a place near me, and we went into training and we went and, and I threw everything at it. And in um, this is 2008, December 2009, they deemed me to be cancer free again.
0: Yay! Awesome.
1: Yeah, except, so what? Came back before. How reticent, good idea be about being out of the woods. Mm. I had found on this journey. I had found, you know, I was in Mexico in a, like, this is like a movie set, right? You're in, and (laughs) it was like a, I mean, this is third world, you know, right? And I got there. And first of all, there was a butterfly outside. And when my dad died, somebody gave me a book about butterflies. I believe every time I see a butterfly, it's my mom and my dad. I say, hi, mom. Hi, dad. I see them in crazy places, middle of the desert. Nevin and I saw butterflies. We go, I know they're here. That was a month before my diagnosis. Okay. So I, in my whatever, I they're all there. So um, we just did everything that we could, everything that we knew. So I did what I could, you know, I gave. So in September of that year, I discovered ionized hydrogenated alkaline water. And what I learned on my journey was that The research led me, because I'm looking under every every stone I can find. What's going on? What's the foundation of health? What's the foundation of health? And I discovered Dr. Otto Warburg, 1931, Nobel Prize for Medicine. He taught us the connection between sugar and cancer. And that cancer, here it is. Here it is. Cancer is an anaerobic cell, which means no oxygen. It cannot live in the presence of oxygen bingo okay how do i get oxygen in my body that's all i started asking so i and a few months later i was introduced to ionized hydrogenated alkaline water and i just it just flooded my body with oxygen and all of a sudden i started to heal and i Went from being covered here in four months to just one spot. That sucker wouldn't go away for a while, but but that's what happened. So I started flooding my body with oxygen. That's all I knew. All I knew then really was to give up sugar and I'd given up wheat and dairy. And, um, and I brought the water in and I was still doing all. I had a far infrared sauna in my house. I'm still whatever I knew how to do. Every moment of every day, I was still scared. Yes. I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a game plan. I'm an athlete. I need to know. You know, I wanted a finite solution to an infinite occurrence. They don't match. And that's a lot I'm learning is is what's going on now. People want finite answers to things that are not finite. Yes. And that's a lot of, you know, so so I discovered, um, I met, Online, I found Lisa Wilson at the Raw Food Institute. They were they were in Washington, so I went there for a week. Get in there, and she hands me. Started out, I'm a green juice loving grandmother. Handed us green juice, real real green juice, not fruit. You know, I'm not fooling around, and they weren't fooling around.
0: Yeah,
1: Robert, I drank it for two hours.
0: Wow,
1: drank the green juice. I was embarrassed. I kept sneaking up to I. Kept going up to get it because <laughs> I i was, <laughs> it was like my cells were going, yay, girlfriend, now you're getting it. This is what we've been after, you know. From there, interestingly, I was the only one that week that did not lose weight. Everybody else is losing weight. And I'm going, what's with this deal? You know, I'd like to lose some weight. So I i got, I really got religious about that in a way that I, except for training for my Tennis tournaments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the only time I ever got like this. And I became a raw food educator. I trained under Lisa and I'm tra- I medicinally trained. Now it doesn't mean that I teach everybody to be raw. I'm not hundred percent raw and we have a process and all this and that. Some people come to me, they're 10% raw. That's great. Let's start there. You know, but I embraced the lifestyle. I was fighting for my life side effects I had more energy than ever. I had more clarity. I was like this veil was lifting. You understand that, and I lost twenty eight pounds. Yeah. I'm a lifetime Weight Watcher. and Jenny Craig. My mom and dad. My mom and I did a rye bread diet. So I lost twenty eight pounds. I felt amazing. This veil was lifted, and I found that the cleaner my cells got, the deeper my soul got. Mm. I could literally see further that's I, it may sound crazy I could literally see further so I went on this journey and I fig I figured out what I figured out I'm not afraid anymore I'm confident I'm I'm dancing all the time my husband and I moved to the country to the mountains that's we love the. Ma- it's like being back at camp I mean like I'm at camp right I'm in the Blue Ridge Mountains so um So now what I've done is I've taken everything that I learned because at this point I was still a technology, green technology specialist, setting up healthy holistic homes, which we do now. We expanded more. So whether it's water, air, chemical free or whatever. And I created a method called the extraordinary living made easy method. And again, my objective is to inspire others to create optimal health so that together we could change the world right and we pivoted our business and and that's how you and I met and it's amazing and I see the transformations with people that will start to embrace really I call it God's garden you know there's so much meditation going on now and so much talk about that which is amazing and it's wonderful so everybody looks up And forget to look down. So we look up and then we drive through or we open a box of macaroni and cheese because we're too busy to plan, right? (laughs) So we got to get out of the status quo and and all of that. But that's where this has taken me. What do you want me to learn? I guess I was supposed to learn how to share what I learned, let it come through me so that others can can be their best and do their best. you know, we do a lot of self care. I first thing I do is I teach my clients to have flowers around them. And there's a—you probably can't see it—but there's a diffuser back there.
0: Oh yeah. You
1: know, these are these are little things, small things have great, great impact. hmm So that's kind of where we are today. From a little girl that was never supposed to be born, who went to sleepaway camp and, <laughs> and
0: just fell in love with diffusing. Trans- yeah, and just completely transformed everything. It has. You know, yeah. like if, and with those little things too, with, with me, it's nature. You know you mentioned the mountains. Like I absolutely love the mountains. I love going to Vermont. Like I've actually been to the blue Ridge mountains also down there. How but, come? Yeah. It's like, I've, um, I, I love it. I don't know. There's just something about it. And, and it's weird. Cause when I was younger, I was so ignorant to the mountains. Like I grew up in the woods. So it's like I was always around. We were always walking, walking on trails and stuff. So but it was like it was my backyard. <laughs> my backyard had trails back there. So it's you know, just things that you take for granted. Now, like I don't live city city. i say I live more like suburban. Right. You know, right. Like, like right outside of Providence. And you know, this is you just don't have that here. And so when I go up to Vermont, you just start start hiking in the mountains it's just like mm. a, just a tranquility that just yes. comes over you just hearing the sound and just smelling just the you know the leaves and the trees and whatever else is up there but it just brings me to just such a happy place even going up the steep mountains even though you're working hard and you're sweating but I'm just such in my happy place like I absolutely yes. love it
1: you're so fortunate that that's how you grew up. You, it's, it's part of you naturally. And, and it's what people are searching for. Because, yeah. You know, many people are not in that position and I am so happy. I mean, right out So we're in a beautiful um, 55 and over adult resort.
0: Okay. Which
1: is wonderful. And so I've always been able to continue to, to work out and swim and stuff like that. So we are in this beautiful area and it's, everything's new. So we, we designed our home and, you know, but outside of my street are the cows. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I, we named them. And <laughs> so that's the country road that goes behind our, it to be behind our street. And my husband goes out the emergency gate and he walks over to the farm to get us fresh eggs because that's kidding. where our eggs come from now.
0: <laughs> I love it.
1: I love it. I love it.
0: Yeah. yeah, back in I think it was <clears throat> July. Like we just got sick of being cooped, cooped up, you know. And so I uh, saw so Vermont had eased eased some of their some of their restrictions. So I took the kids up there for the weekend, and we found we found the farm, uh, Sugar Sugar Bush Farm. And so we went up there. We took a took a tour of the farm. Like we watched how cheeses were made. We watched how they tapped the trees for the maple syrup. And and the kids the kids were just amazed that. Yep. How how all that works, you know. We we saw yep. how they how they did like the big milk machines and everything, and how they how they processed the milk. And yeah, it was a pretty pretty cool experience. And then we got some of the pure Vermont maple syrup, and the kids Ooh. were like, "Oh my god, this stuff is amazing!" And it really was. You would think syrup is syrup, but oh no, there's definitely a difference. The real, <laughs> stuff a difference. real
1: stuff. But you know, you're pointing something out, and that is so even like when you refer to the syrup. And how different it is. People don't think that there's a really big difference in the quality of their food. Yeah. And it's huge. It's huge. And if your audience takes nothing away from today, I hope that they will find in them, but understand. So so here's something that I recently learned. And I was in a, um, a documentary, a movie that Nathan Crane had made years ago and it's it's amazing and it's and I love this one of the few things like this and he's been winning awards and stuff you know I play a small part in this community I'm kind of the person that's done what people talk about you can do you know but what I learned from the doctors and, and that were in the movie when we were all together is that we don't catch cancer we don't catch chronic things our body creates them we can catch the virus, we can catch the flu, we can catch a cold, we can break our leg, we can do that, but we create it. And that's why people have to be, which is great because we don't have to to be responsible for the fact that A, we don't have toilet paper and B, there's a pandemic and all this and that. We can go in, it's like, really? We're talking about toilet paper? Why are we not talking about what makes the immune system healthy, right? But that's on us. And the great news is that we have one hundred percent control over what we put in our body, and exactly. that should free people up from fear. Yep.
0: Yeah.
1: We don't. Yeah. I didn't think about that before, but all this, you know, all these things—whether it's weight or I don't want to go into to
0: oh, all into the me. chronic things—but
1: we create. Sorry, it's it's a hard road. And it's a hard transition because I was just there's a great I don't know if it's Netflix or but it's how our food evolved in different companies and and how these food companies came in. And it was like in the when we started to move to cities, it was the first time that we had to rely on somebody else for our food.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's when all of right. Know what the irony is if you if you give some somebody some junk food, they'll consume it without a second thought. But, then, but then you give them something healthy and they become scientists. <laughs> really? then, they, then they want to read the label and what's in there. They're Googling ingredients. I'm like, but you you just went and ate a burger and fries without any care in the world. <laughs> right. But I'm telling you, if you tried this, this, these superfoods, oh super, that, now we have to Google, Google the superfoods. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like come on, man.
1: <laughs> Barbara stries and everything old is new again.
0: <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> exactly like,
1: where it's supposed to be, but but you know, and that's a this is a topic for uh, and a whole other thing. But yeah, we're kind of. I'm just gonna put it out. We're very brainwashed over all of this. Uh, yep. This, this is a conversation that we have been accepting, settling, right? we're accepting, we're settling on eating stuff we shouldn't be eating and we're settling on feeling that way until we stop settling for that, until we demand that we that we have better things and access to better things, nothing will change. And It's up to us. The great news is that we can do it.
0: Yeah, see, that's, that's the kicker because it's never going to change because it's about money. Yes, it is. Yeah, it it's is. all about money. So as long as revenue's coming in, I mean, think about think about it. Cigarettes are still sold. Cigarettes kill half a million people a year. Half a million, you so, know. And people are worried about the half a million people that that the virus killed. Cigarettes been doing that for centuries, <laughs> you know. But but it's okay because they make that revenue, so those people can die. That's not a problem, you know. Okay. And and I hate to say it that way, but it's true. It's you know, unfortunately, it's true. true. It's but let's, but let's end on a positive note. So There's so people. Bully. So give us give us a final word here. Give us a final word. I'm
1: going to give the final word from our beloved um, to me, Eleanor Roosevelt. Believe in the magic of your dreams. Believe in the magic of your dreams.
0: Love it. And yeah. that, that, if, that says yeah. it all. <laughs> oh. All right. So we have renewedlivinginc.com. What what can we find there?
1: Well, that's our website, and um, if uh, if you go there, go there and become part of our community, and, and you'll find our um, for women, you'll find our Facebook group, the Extraordinary Sisterhood. We are about to celebrate a thousand women. Nice. Where my yes. my vision is ten thousand women devoted to creating extraordinary lifestyles, legacies, and love. So come play with us, but come start as part of our community. And if you will email me at elaine at renewedlivinginc.com and just reference that you heard me here, I've got a free gift for you. Yep. other than what you get from us. I would love to do that. Yeah, I want to know. I want to know what you heard. I, I would love to know what, something that you picked up awesome let me know and then i'll i um. i have a free gift for you something that i don't give others actually i love being here i think you and i could like talk forever i think you and i should do something together
0: do yeah absolutely. some kind
1: of retreat or enjoy the magic together
0: <laughs> absolutely I'm, I'm game always game yeah it's like i i, I love doing these because i love hearing people's stories and you know? And how they got to, to where they are, how they got through what, what they went through. And there's something that you said earlier about not accepting the diagnosis. And, yeah. you know, the great Les Brown, you know, he's he was fighting his own his own cancer battle. He's a motivational speaker, if you're not right, right, familiar right, with him. Right. And so he was talking about a conversation he had with his doctor, where the doctor basically told him, there's nothing else that we can do from a medical standpoint, and so Les said, "Well, so you're basically telling me I'm going to die." He's like, "I'm telling you that medically, there's nothing else we can do." He said, "Now it's between you and God, you know." And that's the best
1: person to be have it between.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you know, my my takeaway from from that. I mean, it wasn't battling a physical illness, but I had a major knee injury back in 2009 where the doctor told me I'd never run a jump again. And I just said, you don't know me like that. Right. It's like, <laughs> you know? what about
1: the species do you not get?
0: <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know, all your degrees and stuff taught you about the body. I said, you do not have a PhD in my will to get through this. <laughs> and I think that's what a lot of people don't realize is that just because somebody tells you something, that doesn't mean that's your end all be all. So I sat there and I attacked my my physical therapy and, and I just did everything that I had to do to get back to full strength. And, and and I've had seven surgeries and I still play basketball. I still play volleyball. I'm still competitive in track and field. I run obstacle races. I go on bike rides. Like I do all of this stuff. Had I listened to him back in 2009, I probably wouldn't have full range back. I probably wouldn't be be running or jumping. I just uh videotaped myself doing a, a, a 40 42 inch box jump the other day. You know, and it's like dude dude told me I was never gonna jump again. You know, right. it's like so my takeaway for everyone is like don't don't let anybody else put limitations on you. Exactly. <laughs> you know, because what they what, what they're really doing is they're putting their limitations on you. You know, because maybe they're not strong enough to fight that fight. That doesn't mean you aren't.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. And, you know, again, anybody that reaches out to me from you, if you have any problems that you're you're thinking about or any questions about what's going on with you, reach out and we can just talk and, you know, just do it and see what's going on. There's, there's a lot we can do in, in helping and, you know, inspiring other people to take charge and become, create their own optimal health is what makes my heart sing
0: and i like my heart <laughs> i love it i love it perfect way to end right there yes i'm def- definitely going to sh- share this with, with my fitness community and then uh you know because i'm sure there's, there's a few of them just battling stuff that, that i'm sure they can benefit from from um having a chat with you but thank you very much for joining this was great we could we could probably talk another couple hours (laughs) about this stuff. So yeah. So I'll I'll definitely have you on again. You know, we'll do, do a check-in with you. See how things, see how things, things are going, see what you're up to. And uh, you know, I'm sure the audience would be glad to hear from you again.
1: Thank you so much. And thank you for the work that you do. I mean, Robert, it's so important. It's so important to have people find that story and just find that magic inside and, and you give people a safe place to, explore and let their guard down.
0: Yes, absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye. All right. So that was Elaine sharing her story of just, just getting through, getting through life, you know, just from her parents being told that they couldn't have any more kids and then having her as the miracle child and just through her, her journey of of self-discovery to getting, Diagnosed with uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and beating it, and then it coming back, and then beating it again, <laughs> and then now inspiring women to live an optimal, optimal life full of joy and vitality. Like this is just a great story. So if you're tuning in late, go back listen to this all the way through because you're gonna get a lot of great information from it. And ladies, if you're battling, if you're battling any type of health issue, reach out to her. See what she did. She beat cancer twice. So whatever you have going on, you can get through it. So reach out to her, pick her brain and, you know, see what you guys can work work out to get you on the path to feeling better. Because that's what this is all about. All right. Signing off from episode 63. Have a great day.
1: You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind.